right, hello everyone. Welcome to The Full Cup. I am Libby Switzer, your host. I am sitting here today with my dad, Craig Berthold. We are at the Bountiful Health Center in his office because, well, it's a good place to meet. Soundproof, it's quiet, and no one's around to hear what we have to talk about. And the grandkids aren't running and say, what are we doing now? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So we are talking about a sensitive, could be sensitive issue to some of you. So here is your forewarning. We are talking about human sexuality. We will be talking about pornography, masturbation, orgasms, all that fun stuff that might be very uncomfortable or you might feel is a little. Hopefully there is no intent to harm or to hurt, but only to bring insight. Yeah. People have taught me over the last 40 years. But also can be sensitive to a lot of people. So that's your warning. If you don't want to listen, that's just fine with us. We're just going to talk about well craig's gonna talk about all he knows and and uh, i'm gonna talk and (laughs) yeah we've put this one off for a while mostly because you could get lincoln to join us yeah i was waiting for my brother to see if he would be an extra on this one and he said no and we also want to say let's see what else did i want to say oh you know what i did have should we do questions at the end? I don't think we're going to get through this okay. in, in one session. We're going to, maybe another day we can talk about questions, if that's okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, all right, go ahead, Dad. Let's get started. What are we going to start with today? Well, I, I thought I was going to start with a talk that I was asked to give about 15 years ago. Uh, and what happened in this lesson, what, what came about from it. Uh, I had been called to come and talk to about 100 uh, religious leaders. Uh, who were struggling with uh, people in their in their faiths who struggle with uh, divorce. And as we know, nationally, we have about a 50% chance of marriage success. In some areas, it's a little bit better. Uh, some areas, it's not as well. Uh, but the, at that time, and even today, I believe, the, the primary issues that most people complain about that bring an end to the relationship is either intimacy, sexual intimacy, or money. And Mm -hmm. so uh, they asked me to come and talk to this group of people of how they in leadership positions can help people deal with the issues that are facing with them when they want to terminate their relationships uh, because they haven't gotten over issues of the way their intimacy is or the way they're spending money. Mm -hmm. And as we've talked before in some of the sessions before, we talked specifically about learning to overcome things and getting free from the things that that person does and the anchors inside of the individual so that I can love the person more than ever. Yeah. As I stood up, I I took a picture of one of my granddaughters and I was taping it to the pulpit I was speaking to. And as I was taping this this picture there, you could hear uh, some of the men uh, in the audience and there were mostly men. Uh, There are very few women uh, in these leadership positions. And you could hear them say, oh, isn't she darling? Oh, what a sweetheart. And and they were smiling at me as I was taping up this picture, and I was smiling about it too. Uh, This sweet little granddaughter of mine, as all of them, are just as cute as pie. And I love them, and I adore them, and I cherish them. And I said, 
I'm so grateful as I start my talk today that you people are looking at this picture and all of you are adoring and cherishing my beautiful little granddaughter who is so precious to me. When I see her, I run to her and she runs to me. She puts her arms out at two years of age, four years of age, says, Papa, and runs to me. That adoration is one of the sweetest ways that I've ever been loved and that I love my children and my grandchildren. And I said to the people here, I said, all of us early on in our lives learn to love that way. We love with adoration. We adore, we cherish, we mm -hmm. think of them so much. They mean everything to us. And I said, then what happens as we grow up, men and women go through puberty and things start to change. I'm going to call that loving white. It's adoration. It's pure. There's no sensual or prurient interest involved in that. It's all white loving, mm -hmm. pure and sweet. But there are lots of men and few women who find themselves losing track of that loving white. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that comes because men have 10 to 20 times the amount of testosterone running through their bodies than women do. So oftentimes learning to put the bridle on that and gather that, especially in adolescence as they grow into adulthood, it's a vitally important, and in later we're going to talk about the 1,200-pound horse and how we get that 1,200-pound strap between our legs, how we get it trained, men and women, how they get it trained. But that, that will be uh, probably in our next session. So that's what I started with. And the talk was basically, how many of you, brethren, still love your wives? You're 50 years of age. When you see your wife, do you still go, oh, dear, I love you. Oh, it's so nice to see you. I just adore you. Oh, sweetheart. How many of you still love your wives that way? Do you still adore her? Do you still cherish her? Do you still think, I can't wait to see her? And, and the same thing for the women coming back. Is it, oh, I love him. I just can't wait to see my husband. I missed him all day. I adore him. How many people still love white mm -hmm. and haven't lost it? Because what happens in adolescence and in our early 20s the loving switches from white loving and starts moving into the red loving. The prurient interest becomes a top priority. And this is what I talked to this group about. What is prurient? You've said that twice. Think of prurient, P-R-U-R-I-E-N-T. When I was doing child protection for the state, and I found out that maybe a father had been sexually abusing a child, if I wrote a letter to the judge, I would say, this father took a prurient interest in his daughter which means a red, sensual, or sexual interest. Mm, okay. I call it red. It's called prurient. Okay. Okay, or sensual. Mm -hmm. uh, it leaves the white. And this is a problem that a lot of people have. When I work with the kids, I, I ask people, the couples that I see in their 40s and 50s. I, I remember I drove by the junior high here. It's been a couple of months ago now. And I, as I drive by, I'm looking outside, and I'm watching eighth and ninth grade boys and girls kind of walking along and stopping and hugging each other. Now, I think all of you have experienced this sometime in your life. When you're young, the hugs are always white. But after you go through puberty, all of a sudden the red starts enter. And there can be times, maybe some of you women listening to this, when you offer to hug somebody and midway through the hug, it started out as white, 
and all of a sudden it went red. Whoa, wait, mm-hmm. this switched. And how many times have you had to hit the guy in the head and say, back off, buddy, because he wasn't loving her or giving her a hug with a purely white hug. Right. Midway through the hug, it turned into a red hug. Right. This is a problem that a lot of people deal with. What I tell couples every day, there is a big difference in a term called sensate focus. Sensate focus is the term that we use that describes what we focus our senses on to get turned on. And we Mm -hmm. call it sensate focus. Sensate focus for men and women is about as different as Volkswagens and grass. Oh, that's pretty (laughs) different. Okay. Men, their sensate focus is generally very red driven. Yeah. They have 10 to 20 times the amount of testosterone running through their bodies. So their sensate focus, they think about physicals. They think about skin, genitals, breast. Oh, isn't she beautiful? Oh, isn't she hot? Oh, she's a hottie, all those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And women can also feel the red, but generally their focus mainly is on the white things. He adores me. I adore him. Your connection. He did the dishes. (laughs) Keep going. You said he did the dishes. (laughs) Um, We had a conversation. He was interested in me. Um, Yeah, all those things. He put the kids to bed by himself without help. Yeah. Back in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, I was asked to teach uh, pediatricians a class on human sexuality. And in those days, a class on sexuality, they didn't have a lot of them, so they asked me to teach it. And I talked about sensate focus to the pediatricians. And then I talked about a thing called foreplay. And foreplay for the man was, well, what, what does that mean? Do I, do I wear, with my, wear my shirt open so the hair on my chest is showing? Or, or do, when I kiss her, do I, do I blow in her ear for five minutes before I hop in the sack with her? What do I do? And, and that's for them foreplay. For men, it's uh-huh. very physically based. Uh-huh. And yet the female pediatrician said, Saturday when my husband and I were intimate, I was thinking about Wednesday, three days earlier, I came into the house on the kitchen table was a bucket of Kentucky fried chicken that he had fed the kids. When I walked into the door, there he was wrestling on the floor with my grandkids, with my children. I love him so much. I am the greatest man in the world. And the male pediatricians are going, that's foreplay. Right. <laughs> and the female pediatricians are going, yeah, isn't he wonderful? This is a major issue. We do have these major differences in the way people view their sensate focus. Mm -hmm. And because it's so psychological with the female brain, there's so many more emotional things going. And where one day she can really get excited emotionally and, and get excited, and this is wonderful, I'm really in love, and I want to be intimate with him. And yet in the midst, she hears, are the kids still up? Did you see that fly on the ceiling? Or, oh no, he didn't pay for this. <laughs> or, and all of a sudden, the ability, to, the ability to focus changes in the husband's What age. percentage <laughs> of tip did you leave at dinner tonight? <laughs> exactly. Okay. Now, what we find, and, and there's, there's a lot of interest about this. Some people talk about the differences, how, how they change men, with men and women. Uh, a lot of people will suggest that men's highest level of 
of physical intimacy of, of based upon their testosterone. And it's, some people say it's 18 to 23, depending on what study you say. So that's when they're really the most turned on. That's a, their erogeny is the greatest for them in their early 20s. Whereas women, they're thinking about, you know, let's have babies. And now I got to change diapers and we got to get this. We got to get a house built. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. And she doesn't think and focus on those same kinds of things. But the amazing thing, when she gets into her 40s, 50s, and 60s, she can actually say now, wait, I'm learning how to do that. As a matter of fact, we're going to read a statistic here in a minute that 10% of all married women will never have orgasm in their marriage. Yeah. 25% of all married women at age 25, 25% at age 25, have never had an orgasm. They don't even know what that experience is. And they come in to see me often and say, I'm defective. And I say, this doesn't make you defective. Well, my husband says I'm defective. Your husband says you're defective. Well, well, that's what he says. Well, that's because your husband's brain is a lot different than yours. Mm -hmm. And so women may not be at that same level in their 20s, but when they get in their 40s and 50s, all of a sudden it's like, well, wait. Yeah. I heard 32 was like the age that women peak sexually. Well, depending on what statistic you say, I've heard it as 32, I've heard it as 40, I've heard it as 60. Now, why do you think it happens? Let's ask the question. When a woman's 30, still raising children, psychologically, is she still focusing much more heavily on the children, getting them fed, getting the house clean, all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But when she's 55, the house maybe is getting paid for. Right. The kids are grown. Right. Now the, the kids, they're get, becoming intimate. And instead of saying, oh, the kids are in the house, the kids aren't in the house. Hey, right. we yeah. can do this now. We don't have to worry about them running in and, and you know breaking down the door. And I don't care about the fly on the ceiling. Right. I'm getting better at this being able to maintain my psychology, not just in intimacy, though, but in life. And I think also it changes from when you're in your 30s or having children at home. A lot of times it's like, you're fulfilling needs all day. You're taking care of your kids. You're taking care of this. They need this. You're giving them that. They need this there. You're giving them that. And then your husband needs sex and you're giving them that just to fulfill a need, not for personal self-care, not because it's something you need because you're too tired to even want or need anything like that a lot of the time. So once your kids are older, then you can say, oh, this might be something I'm interested in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. A couple of years ago, and this has happened numerous times, this is one more recent, a couple of years ago, a husband and wife came in to see me, 57 and 55, and he was complaining. He was saying, you know, I don't know what's wrong with my wife. My wife doesn't seem to enjoy any sexual intimacy. It's very frustrating to me. What, what we, we need to work this out. We need to talk about this. Now, as you said exactly, because of sensate, psychological sensate focus, when she's making love to her husband, it's, it's, is it because he needs me and I'm taking care of his needs or I'm getting something out of this? Yeah. Well, in her case, it's, I've been doing this all these years. I've raised these eight children and I still love my husband, but that's not that important to me anymore. It's not. And so what we talked about in her mindset and in time in the past, we've talked about changing the anchors. Her lens creating this this history was, I'm supposed to do this and please my husband and pleasure him. But in her own mind, she'd kind of lost the idea that, no, I'm receiving something. 
Now, does the husband really just want to be pleasured by her? Or do men truly want to please their wives? I really do believe men want more than anything. And when we get into the core issues we're going to talk about in a minute, that for men, it's very, very important to really, I want to please my wife. I want to her experience what's easy for me to experience. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes men get upset thinking, well, what's wrong with you? Or what's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me because you're not experiencing this. So this woman learned at this age, wait, I can change my mind and start determining that when I'm being sexual with my husband, it's just not giving up me. I can view this as I'm receiving something. Mm-hmm. My husband is actually giving me something and, and ex- experiencing myth and sharing his love and his heart for me. It's not just, I got to make him happy because, you know, him, hey, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, he's done. I'll take care of that and then I don't have to bother him the rest of the week. But maybe <laughs> I can actually... <laughs> As you know, this is what I deal with every day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're just really hitting the nail on the head. Okay, go on. So, but what she was able to do is finally realize, wait, this is something that that I can enjoy and I can receive something that's filling me. Well, just in a matter of about six weeks, he came back in. I'd seen her about five times alone and he came in and he said, this is a problem. I said, what do you mean? Well, I'm 58 years of age now or 57 years of age, something like that. I said, okay, well, when I brought her in here, I wanted her to to be a little bit more intimate uh, with us in the bedroom. And now uh, I'm telling you, she wants to be with me every day. And, you know, I'm an older man. I don't know if I can do this now. What You've turned her into a wild woman. <laughs> and, and through said, what process? I, what was that process? Psychologically, she changed her psychological sensate focus instead of I'm giving up something. I have to take care of his needs. Right. It's I'm getting, oh, I can actually receive this and I can feel this. There's also a major code here. We talked about the steering wheel of life. Mm-hmm. So, Livy, as we've talked before, who should be steering Craig's life? Craig. Who should be steer- steering Libby's life? Libby. How about Danny's life? Danny. How about uh, your, your mother, my wife, Karen? Karen. We, our greatest joy comes in assisting people in filling their cup. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, each of us has to fill her own cup. Right. A year ago, I was treating a woman, and she came in to see me. She was 50, she's 53 years of age. She's given me permission. And she came in, and I'd seen her for several months, and she was talking about how what their intimate relationship was like. And I asked her about the steering wheel of life, and it is my experience in here. I believe not only do we have a steering wheel of our life, what affects our lives, but we also have a steering wheel of our sexuality. The history that we've experienced early on from sexual, uh, prepubescent sexual exploratory play to looking at movies, to reading books, to doing all of those kinds of things, those things can really grab onto the steering wheel of our life. Well, the other thing is, if that's true, she was talking to me about how in the 33 years of marriage, her having the experience that she was having wasn't as wonderful as she had hoped it would be. Now, a lot of people lose track of this too. Let me go here for a minute. A lot of people go big O. It's all the big O. Got to have an organ. That's the most important thing. It's all about the big O, big O, big O. Okay. And if they want to make it that, but that's oftentimes just setting up performance anxiety. So in this relationship with him, the experience had not been what she wanted it to be. And I asked her about what we had been talking about, steering our own life. 
And one of the things that we had been talking about was who's responsible for your joy? Who's responsible to fill your cup? And she said, well, I am. I said, so who's responsible for your orgasm? And she looked at me and she said, well, well, it's a husband's job. I guess that's just what I've always assumed that men are in charge. You know, they, they have a higher libido. So they take me and they, they do these things and pleasure me. And then I can get, I said, well, I think he really does want to help. But the principle of agency is a key principle in the bedroom also. Mm -hmm. Who's responsible for her orgasm? So I see a lot of couples with this, and sometimes it's a little embarrassing. And I'll say, okay, I, I don't mean to embarrass you. I'm not encouraging you to masturbate or do those kinds of things. Some, I know some therapists encourage that. But I'll say, I'm going to leave the office for a minute. And I'm just, while you're sitting here, I'd like you to just feel erotica. Just, just kind of maybe picture you with somebody maybe when you're a teenager. And if you're 50 now, or maybe when you were 40. But I'd like you to just see if you can picture yourself and feel turned on in the slightest bit. And I'll come back in just a couple of minutes. And I come back in and I, they say, yeah, I guess I could, but it's okay if I do that. I said, well, I think that's something that you're working to, to accomplish. And she says, well, but this is, I don't know if this is okay. I said, well, that's something that you may have to decide and talk it over or whatever. Is it okay that you have pleasure with your husband in the bedroom and experience that thing, that, that, that orgasm. She says, well, I, I, I guess it is. And then I said, now, while you're here, I'm going to have you do this. I'd like you to pretend you're feeling the feeling. And just as here, you can sit here with your eyes closed. If you can, I'll, I'll leave. But I want you to pretend you got a dial in your head. And you're going to turn up the dial in that erotica you're feeling. See if you can intensify it a little bit. You turn the dial. She came back couple of weeks later and she says this is amazing i said what's that she says in 33 years of marriage i don't think i've ever had an orgasm before my husband did i said wow okay but i did last friday i said well okay i guess you're learning something she said he thinks he's the greatest lover in the world now <laughs> he hardly had anything to do with it <laughs> right yeah because she was taking responsible for her own sexuality whoa, wait, is that a principle of agency again? That doesn't mean, I'm not encouraging you to masturbate or whatever, but you, it's okay for you to turn the dial in your head. And the same thing with the men. Who's responsible for the man's orgasm? He is. How many women feel like it's, oh, it's my job. I have to do everything. I have to eat the vegetables all the time. I don't want to eat the vegetables. If the woman keeps eating the vegetables to make him happy and doesn't really want to, how she feel about vegetables? Hates I don't him, like hates herself, <laughs> and, and hates the, the, yeah, even the vegetables. Yeah, hates the vegetables. And let's go the same way. The that couple who goes the other way. This happens on the other side. This is a guy that I saw last year, well, two years ago. Well, this has happened many times. And he came in. His wife first came in to see me. And she's saying, my husband doesn't want to ever be intimate with me anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. She said, well, it, it's no problem for me. You know, I, it's, I don't have that desire necessarily. I'm in that right. section of women that there's really no desire on my part. And so he says he doesn't want to do it with me anymore. I said, wow, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. She says, but I think it's important that we still have this physical relationship. Uh, I still love him. I, I, I want to hold him. I, I'll be intimate with him, but I don't get all excited like he does. I don't have, you know... New Year's Eve and fireworks all the time. That, that's rarely happened in right. my marriage. And I said, 
So will he be willing to come in? And she said, he doesn't want to come in here. Well, I said, invite him to come in another time. And he eventually came in. What had happened, which a lot of couples do, a lot of men do this and a lot of women do this. He's saying, my wife is this way. She's not like me. And therefore, she's defective. How many men think, well, this is the way my sexuality is, so I put it on my wife. And she's not like this. Sure way of loving is green. Mine is red. What is wrong here? And I don't want her to be offended. I don't want to take advantage of her. So if she doesn't want to, I'm not going to push it. I'm just going to back off. Uh And the wife said, but I still love you. Uh I want to hold you. I want to please you. I'm sorry I don't get eroticized like you do. Yeah. And he's going, huh? Because once again, what's he doing? He's pushing his stuff, the way he feels about intimacy, sexuality, what turns him on, onto her saying, well, this is the way you're supposed to be. And they'd spent years, she thinking, what's wrong with me? Because I'm supposed to be this way. And how many wives do this? This has happened. This couple came in and he says, I'm 52 years of age and my wife doesn't think we have to be sexual anymore. I still love my wife. I want to be with her. And the wife say, no. We've had children now. We don't have to do that. So what she's doing, the same. She's saying, this is what sexuality is for me, and this is the way you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And you can work this out when you understand that you're wonderful and you're wonderful, and then you represent that and and respect that. Now I'm going to go back. That group of uh, church leadership people that I saw, about six weeks after that, one of the the members of that group, class, uh, Kate called me and came in to see me. He said, you know, uh, I've got uh, six children and I've been um, in a religious leader. Uh, I've been married 27 years and I don't know if I've ever looked at my wife ever white, mm-hmm. only red. She's beautiful. I love to be physically intimate with her. And I, and I think she, she doesn't seem to enjoy it as much as I do, but she never says no to me. But I don't think I've ever adored her and cherished her. Mm-hmm. I never have feelings like that for her. Does well, that have to do with his history of how he grew up? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that men are supposed to be this way. Men are supposed to be macho type guys. And you don't have to be loving and kind and adoring and cherishing and all of those kinds of things. And I said to him, well, then ask your wife to crack you upside the head and teach you how to love white. Mm-hmm. So many couples on a regular basis. Well, I'm going to say it this way. I actually said this to this group. I said, having sex, just having sex, and there is other terminology to describe it, very foul, profane words, mm-hmm. is just red sex, having sex. Making love is red and white, Mm -hmm. where you adore and you cherish and you think the world of white and red. There's not a week goes by that I don't see a couple in here that, and it's usually the husband I'm saying to you, sir, I can't emphasize enough. You've been experiencing a lot of sex with red, but if you want to make love, you have to go through a white door. 
And he said, huh? Men really can learn this and understand it. Sometimes it takes a woman. And I say to a lot of women, oftentimes women will get to the red if you go through the white door. Do you remember I talked about the pediatricians and the one said there was chicken for the kids and he was wrestling with the kids on the garden? Yeah. And for him, it had nothing to do with that. It had more, you know, he was, he was just, or most couples just go the red way. Well, and I think also, I think it's important that you do have a combination because I think a lot of women will think, no, that's too red. That's bad. That's for whatever. And I would say not, that's not necessarily the case. It's between the two of you. And if you do have a combination of both, that's okay. I think if he's willing to try to give white, you can be willing to try to give red also and come to a compromise. That's exactly what we talk about in here. And how do you negotiate those kinds of things? I, I think the way you said that. You have a, a safe word. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Lots of people have safe words. <laughs> Whatever. Right. A safe yeah. word. Sorry. Go on. No. Uh, this happens quite regularly when I see a couple. Because oftentimes couples come in and say, well, she's this way. And he says, well, he's that way. And they're, well, if he wasn't this way, well, if she wasn't this way, <laughs> well, if he would be this way, if she would be this way. He's well, a pervert. Were... <laughs> she just wants Jesus in the room with us. <laughs> or the vice. That, that, that's, right. Or yes, vice versa. Thank you. Let, let, let's, before I go to that, but let me, that, that just reminds me of, because this is, I've seen this a number of times that early on in their earliest experience, uh, the lenses of their learning about sexuality, they learned that, okay, with my man, if I'm going to keep a man, I've got to be really, really red with him. Mm -hmm. And so it's very red. It's not necessarily because, oh, it really excites me. It's mainly, I just have to make sure my man is taking care of red. And if I don't, I'm going to lose him. Okay. And a lot of people have been raised in that kind of a family where the little girl growing up and dad cheated on mom. Okay. And so what has the mom told the, the girl when she was a little girl? If you're not red with your man, He'll leave you. that's why I left your mother. So I'm visiting. She comes in and she's uh, getting going through a divorce again. And she's okay. had several. And she said to me, What's wrong with me? I said, I, I don't know. You seem you're very bright. You're very beautiful. Uh, oh, and I love intimacy. Okay. And I'll do anything with him. And then she started telling me some of the things and actually gave me a little bit of a red face. Like, okay, uh -huh. well, all right. <laughs> because, you know, she was laying it all out with this yeah. guy. And that she did this with all of the other husbands that she had. And every one of them left her. So he brought him in finally. And they were divorcing, and he said, well, you know, it is pretty hard. I, I, I know when I met her, I've never, I've been married before, and she was intimate with me anytime, even if I just looked at her, she's ready to pull over to the side of the road, do things where we're driving down the street. She's just incredible, and every, it's like a dream. But you know what? There's more to an intimate relationship than just red. Mm -hmm. This is the man saying it. And she's going, What? Because what she had been taught, which happens to a lot of young women, their daddy had said, he said, the reason, the reason I left cheated. your mother, cheated on mom, is because she wouldn't be red with me. 
Yeah, he wasn't satisfied. Wasn't. Now, a lot of couples growing up in that, who do they hate? The dad or the mom? I don't know. If your dad leaves, I would assume you hate your dad for leaving. But what if he says the reason he left is because she wouldn't? Oh, yeah. Well, then you hate her. Because mom should have been taking care of him, right? Yeah. And how many women have I seen to them? Let me ask you, if your husband is cheating on you and your sensate focus is psychological and you find out that he's been cheating on you, do you want to hop in the sack with him that night? No. No way in hell. So do you think mother withheld because she found out and she, she got this shock on her face and she went, oh, I've right. been so mad at my mom. She probably stopped because she found out about the, oh, and she went and apologized to her mother and pleaded for forgiveness and said, oh my goodness, I've hated my mom all these years. When in fact, the lens that the nasty ass dad doing all the cheating and all the crap he'd done had set her up. And now she's thinking, I got to be red. I got to be red. I got to be red. And yet her mother is a very white led woman who did not want to even touch the guy because is he going to give her some kind of whatever this has happened many times. And is that really a reason? Is that an excuse why people cheat or is that really a reason people cheat for sex? Well, that's what they justify it. Everybody uses all kinds of excuses. Well, she's not putting out or he put out too much or he does this or he does that. Okay. This is the opposite. Let me let me go here for just a second. Uh, and and this has happened numerous times. Um, I, there, there's several people. I'm going to mix it up just a little bit. Uh, this was a lady who came to see me. And if they laid in bed at night and became with their arms wrapped around each other and their legs intertwined with each other, and if the husband would actually bump her with his knee, put his knee between her legs, and she would feel the knee pressing against that part of her her body, she would immediately start having orgasms, start having multiple orgasms. And she's in my office saying, "What's wrong with me? He's divorcing me. Why am I so Why am I so screwed up? I'm so messed up. Oh, I'm so terrible. I'm such a weirdo." This has happened numerous times. So she's really into sex and her husband's leaving her. Once again, we're going to talk in a minute when we get into the text. I brought a text that one woman cannot describe what sexuality is for another woman. No, right. Do you know why that is? Because we're all different. Psychological sensate focus. Right. Because everything that's going on psychologically in women can one day be over here 5,000 miles, and six months later, she's clear over here 5,000 miles. And it's built on the lenses you've created throughout your experiences of your life, which every person has a different experience and a different Absolutely. lens. Right. And those lenses can occur every day, every moment. Right. Because again, what's men focus on? Physical. Well, geez, their skin. Okay, let's go. With women, it's yeah, a million different but there's things. this, and his hair was out of place, and oh geez, don't look at my tummy. I don't want you to see my fluffy tummy here. Oh geez, I, I don't love want you to see my... how you oh, geez, that, that, just <laughs> obviously have had this conversation a lot. But I'm like, yeah, Four, forty-three oh, years. Oh, brush your teeth. Oh, oh, you brush your teeth. Dang it, that's still what is. Hmm, I I just got to get out of my head. Which, like, and sorry, this is probably TMI of sharing my own experiences, but. I have had to say to myself, okay, Libby, 
get ready, get in. Like, like I know it's up to me. I know I got to get there mentally, not start thinking about the kids. Not if I'm going to be there, I, the pressure's on and it's on me to be present in the moment and whatever. And what you're describing again is psychological and I got to get a psychology all lined up. And when you got four kids running around and you got work you're dealing with, you got this dealing with, and that's why we're seeing so many women shutting down in our society today, because back in the forties, thirties, forties, and fifties, the women didn't have a thousand things to do. You took care of the kids. Right. And then he walk in the house and you fix him a, a, a nice drink of whiskey or something. Sit down, dear. Here, I fixed your dinner. Oh, I, didn't say, I miss you today. Da, da, da. But now she's got to run the kids. She's got to buy go shopping. She's got to take things to the school. She's got psychological stuff. She's got the churches. There's there's so much psychological stuff just impounding on the psychological sensate focus. And that's why you see her women are shutting down. Uh, 30 years ago, they said one third of all women have shut down sexually. Now we're saying 50%. Why? Because psychological sensei focus. Women, are they got so many things going. They don't even have time to focus on those kinds of things or take the time to even feel in charge of their own libido. And then if it's not happening, what do they do? They once again blame themselves. What's wrong with me? I'm defective. All of us. It would be great to do a case study and see if coronavirus has upped women's sex drive because they've had so much downtime. Yeah, you would think it might. <laughs> However, what does the now coronavirus there's anxiety. do? Does that cause greater anxiety for them mm-hmm. or less? Greater. And remember, anxiety is that psychological and can affect psychological sensate focus? Mm-hmm. Big time. Right. There's no question. It, 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 it can go either way. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay. I talked about the woman. Oh, the husband w- was leaving her saying that something's wrong with you and she's thinking she's defective and how many women come in to see me and thinking I'm defective, right? I'm defective because, uh, you know, this happens with me and none of my women that I know, they never even have this. And yet it comes very natural to me. And, and now my husband thinks I'm oversexed or undersexed or, or something's wrong with me that I'm defective. And he's, he's divorcing me for that reason. And someone else might think that's the greatest gift in the world. I so. told her, I said, I know a hundred men who will marry you tomorrow. Right. Because generally it's on the other end. And one third of women in our society have pretty, pretty much shut down sexually uh-huh. in our society today. And that's, yeah, I, I, I will get to that. But let me address this for just a minute, too. Sensate focus, again, is major difference. That's why I call it like Volkswagens and grass. They're totally different things with men and women. Now, that isn't to say that men and women can't get together. But you also have an understanding in the homosexual world that men and men understand men better than men and women understand women better than other women. And a lot of times it's amazing that women ever get together with the differences in intimacy. And we'll talk, right. we can talk about that. A lot well, and people. just in the lack of communication, I think a woman and a woman would communicate a lot better than a woman and a man. Much more psychologically. So let's go there for just a minute. I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to talk for a moment about a, a thing that we have, core issues, okay? Now, did I talk to you about core issues once before? No. The dogs? Mm-mm. Okay. Libby, have you ever had a dog? Yeah. Okay. Did you ever notice before the dog lays down? He, he spins usually, in a circle. He spins in a circle, doesn't mm-hmm. he? And some dogs will go around three or four times. Some yeah, dog will go five so minutes cute. before he drops down. Do you know why that happens? Mm-mm. Because it's a core issue. When his ancestors 
2,000 years ago, lived in the jungle. What did the, the dog do before he laid in the sticks or in the grass? Well, we as human beings have core issues that came from our ancestors. Not just intimacy, but let's go here for a minute. In men's society, let's go back to a time of a tribe, 2,000, 4,000 years ago, what gave him value in the tribe? I don't know. The size of Hunting? his penis. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> Maybe, but not usually. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're okay if he about, was a good gonna, hunter. We're going to talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're changing subjects here for a minute. So okay. Let's okay. Go. <laughs> so if he was a good hunter. Yeah. Or he can put up a lean to. Okay. okay. Oh, we got a storm. Put up a lean to. He's strong. He, goes, he can slay the dare and bring home food. Oh, look at him. He's tough. He's strong. It's production. Okay. So watch men. Men measure themselves. Oh, how much money does he make? Right. Where does he live? Look at the house he lives. Oh, what kind of car does he drive? Mm-hmm. I'll ask you this. When your daughter brings somebody home to marry, and one of the boys dating her says, well, I'm 29, and I've been living in my mother's basement uh, I'm I'm really good at game on the on the TV those game things that they do <laughs> video and, games and and I've been doing that now since I was about 16 so I've been doing it 13 years I hope to go pro one day and I actually haven't ever had a job but I want to marry your daughter right okay no the next one walks up and he says uh, I just got I got my MD about four years ago when I was 26 at the U but then I went back to the Mayo Clinic and I've been doing some stuff back there and now I've been put out someplace else and I start my new job as a a heart surgeon, and uh, I think I'm making. I hope to make about 400 grand a year this year, and then more. You know, maybe 700 grand the next year. Yeah, year, we like daughter, him better. Know. Yeah, we like him. Why? Because he's productive. Mm-hmm. All right. So, men, it's production. Okay. Women notice production. Men look at production. The worst thing you can do to a man and watch his self-esteem suffer when he's 25 or 45 and he's gotten laid off. I watched my father got laid off when he was 53, 55 years of age. It was devastating to him. Yeah. What am I going to do? I've lost a job. And he couldn't find a job. And he looked for a year trying to find a job. I I know he wasn't sleeping. He was in big trouble because economics. What did your husband go through? Yeah. When when my husband lost his job, it was... He got shingles. His whole world fell apart. (laughs) So So for men... A core issue is production. Yes. Okay. Let's go to women. In tribe days, for the woman to be vital to the tribe, what she got to do? Do you need some help? Let me think. Yeah, I don't know. Babies. Babies. <laughs> okay. Nurse the baby. See, I, that's I, funny because I'm gonna say for me, yeah. I'm production. I have more man in me. Most women have production and babies. Okay. And most men, they do have production, but they're usually producing for somebody, the tribe. And let's now jump to Helen Singer Kaplan for a minute. Helen Singer Kaplan told us, Columbia University, this is... This is Looking Glass Mirror? Uh, no. No, that's Hel- Cooley. Yeah, no. This is Helen Singer Kaplan, Columbia University, who put the names on the people and prayed them through the class. And she looked at people who were aesthetically beautiful. The women okay. had the perfect figure, perfect face... Everything was perfect. And men, you know, he had the cleft in his chin and python arms okay. and walk around. Ooh, I'm a stud. So he put these uh, men and women that were beautiful couples, beautiful okay. men and women, uh, aesthetically beautiful, 
but she would put in with them people who did not have those features, but those men and women carried themselves, and this is her term, I know that I'm special and I deserve to be loved. Okay. They just had the confidence. Confidence. What I call white. And then in 79, like eight out of 10 times, was 89%, I'm forgetting now. Seven to eight. A long time ago. A long time ago. Most of them, who the colleges from 18 to 27 or who they most attracted to, the model types or the ones who carried themselves with that, that level of confidence. Yeah, probably the confidence. I mean, I'm attracted to the people with That's the confidence. That's exactly what it is. When I first studied with her, and, and uh, uh, I, I was in Arizona back in the 80s with her, and then I saw her in, uh, in uh, San Francisco at the Evolution of Psychotherapy. But she also talks about, where do we get this? Those women that can stand up to society knowing, I don't care what anybody says, I know I'm special. Guess where they used to get it? Their parents? And mainly their dad. And what okay. about boys? Um, I know I'm, I'm special to my mama. Yeah. And and she said, when you go back to high school, I remember they had us go back to high school in this class. And they said, all you men, look at the girl in that class that was the cutest. Okay. Everyone thinks she's the cutest, hottest girl in high school. And I remember picturing this one. And to the men, uh, they'd say that. And then to the women, they'd say, think of the guy in high school. You can do this. Think of the guy in high school who's the cutest guy in the world that everyone thought, oh, he's the handsomest, cutest guy in the world. And then she says, look at them aesthetically. And I thought about this girl and I burst out laughing. Right. Yeah. She was not a beautiful woman. Yeah. Uh, But she carried herself with, I know I'm an angel because her dad adored her and cherished her. Her dad would drop her off at school every day. She wore earrings and you know all kinds of things that her dad just took care of everything for. So yeah. she grew up, I know I'm special because my daddy loves me. And the same thing with men. Growing up, I know I'm special because my mama loves me. Right. This becomes a very integral part, not only in intimacy, but also as we grow up in our lives, our sense of confidence. Mm-hmm. And when you raise your children. What about those who maybe had a parent said, oh, you make me sick, I hate you. Right, yeah. And they might even be aesthetically a handsome kid. Yes. Or a beautiful girl. Yeah. But because of that lens that was created. And that can play a part in intimacy later. I know how to do it because everyone finds me attractive. Red, what really matters again? Red or white? White and having that confidence, that's a really, like you were saying earlier when you were like, don't look at my fat tummy, which is like what a woman is thinking during sex. If she's not having that confidence, then she's not going to be able to enjoy herself. Because psychologically, oh no, you'll see me. But if she knows I'm beautiful, I'm lovable, I'm wonderful, just the way I am, they can be great. owns it and that's a whole nother issue with women and their body images all of that oh man we're just getting started all right we are gonna go ahead and stop right there thank you so much for listening we will continue with the rest of this episode next week maybe another one after that it's a lot of information on this topic anyway thanks so much for listening to the full cup and have a great day